Yo, 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 Just Chats, back at it again with another episode with a guest who, geez, when did I first watch this guy? I reckon it was about eight or nine years ago, and he taught me how to cook a sweet potato in the microwave. <laughs> so, guess. You saw that video. Yeah, I've, it was that's a ripper, mate. That's an oldie but a goodie, that one. So, guest, who are you? Tell us about yourself. Uh, well, Matt, first and foremost, thanks for having me on your podcast, man. Um, you know, a little bit of, uh, little bit of uh, behind the scenes for your listeners and your viewers. You actually hit me up uh, over six months ago now and asked me to be a, a guest on, on your show. Mm. And I said, you know, how many episodes have you done so far? What's your, you know, what's your, um, where are your downloads at? What's your listenership like? And you told me, I think at the time you'd done just over 10 episodes. Yeah, it was something like that. Yeah, and I said, if you keep at it, I'll be your guest on episode number 50. That's and uh, so here we are six months later, we're at the 50 episode mark and, uh, and you know, I'm, I, I kept my word and we're doing this now. So, you know, first and foremost, um, you know, massive appreciation for having, having you, ha- for you having me on your show. Um, you know, I, I love doing these sorts of guest interviews. So, um, but yeah, my name is Joseph Menzel. Uh, I, um, I guess, let me kind of throw out my resume for, uh, for the people, uh, you know, who are hearing my voice for the first time or seeing me for the first time. I, um, run a couple of companies. So I run uh, a company called Massive Joe's, which is a supplement retail importation distribution and wholesale company. So anything to do with supplements, um, that's Massive Joe's, that's the business of Massive Joe's. Um, I also run uh, an apparel company called TMJ Apparel, which is a, a cut and sew from the ground up uh, apparel company. Um, you know, my own brand. We are producing our own products right from the menu, right from the design manufacturing stage, all the way through to, to retail, wholesale, and distribution as well. Um, I am a, a professional men's physique athlete in the IFBB, the International Federation of Bodybuilding. So I compete. Um, I guess that's kind of my physical um, career outside of the business side of things. Um, and through that as well, I am also a promoter for the International Federation of Bodybuilding. And I run the IFBB here in South Australia, um, along with my business partner, Tony Doherty, who runs the IFBB uh, Australia White. Uh, what else can I say? I also host a podcast, <laughs> a top 100 iTunes podcast called the Fitness Times Business Podcast. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that's probably, you know, all of the, the dot points <laughs> sound like a busy man, mate. Um, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll go, we'll go right back to your roots. So tell us about growing up and your family life. So yeah, just take it away. Um, man, I, uh, born and raised here in Adelaide in South Australia. Um, I, my family background, I guess my family heritage, um, on my mother's side is Italian. My mom was actually born in Italy and, and came across on a boat when she was four years old uh, with her mom while my um, my mom's dad, my grandfather, my nonno, stayed in Italy, um, was part of the Italian army and then eventually came over to, uh, to Australia as well and settled here in the 60s. My, on my dad's side, the, my background is Polish. Um, my father was born here in Australia. So my, uh, grandparents on my father's side met, met in Adelaide. Um, so half Polish, half Italian, um, born and raised in, uh, in Henley beach here in, in Adelaide in South Australia. Um, I mean, you know, pretty, pretty, uh, typical childhood, I guess I, I grew up, um, my parents, uh, 
tried to give me the best opportunities that they possibly could and, and you know, worked really hard and sacrificed a lot to do that. And, um, you know, growing up, I guess I was always quite academic, but then quite sporty as well. I kind of had, you know, a balance of two things. So I, you know, I always found um, academic work and schoolwork and that sort of thing quite interesting. And it came quite, quite easy to me. Um, but then on the same token, I was very involved in anything physical, uh, skateboarding, rollerblading, football, basketball, tennis, you know, you name it, I was interested in doing it. Um, and as I got a little bit older, I really took an interest in basketball and that was a lot of my, uh, you know, my, my uh, teenage years in particular and even before that was, was playing a lot of basketball. That was really, uh, you know, it was where I thought my career was going to be actually was, was a professional basketballer um, that didn't kind of turn out that way. Little um, fun fact that not a lot of people know. My father was uh, an engineer in the oil and gas industry and um, as part of that, he's worked all over the world, but he settled in Indonesia. And uh, in 1995 and 1996, my whole family moved to Jakarta in Indonesia. And so we lived there for a couple of years when I was uh, nine and 10 years old. So a little, uh, you know, a little, little uh, family trip, wow. <laughs> family move over to uh, Jakarta, Indonesia, which was kind of cool, especially at that age. Um yeah, and then I guess, uh, you know, did really well in school, um, went to university, um, developed uh, an injury that kind of ended anything I was going to do with basketball. While I was at university, took an interest in um, bodybuilding and, and supplementation, and that really led to the Massive Joe side of what I do today. Uh, and then I guess everything kind of, you know, just spirals from there. But um, you know, I guess that's kind of a quick contiguous of growing up. Uh, so do you have any siblings? I do. I have a sister, younger sister. Um, she's about to turn 34. And she's also quite successful in her own regard. So what, what does um, Leah do? Yeah, very much so. Um, she, well, she works for, for me at the moment. She works, <laughs> uh, she works for Massive Joe. So she does a couple of things within uh, my businesses. The first thing she does is she's our retail operations manager. So she runs the bricks and mortar retail stores of what we do. Um, we have six bricks and mortar retail stores now. Uh, we had 10 pre-COVID, closed four during the pandemic. Um, so down to six now, but she runs that entire network. So takes care of everything to do with retail stores. Uh, and then she's also our head designer for the apparel side uh, of for the apparel business with Team J Apparel. So she comes up with all the designs, um, you know, takes care of, uh, of, of all the logistics of actual design and manufacture um, for, for that side of the company as well. And then she's also my co-host on the Fitness Times Business podcast. So that's what she does now. Um, but she has, uh, you know, I actually don't know anybody who's done more things than my sister, um, you know, at, at such a relatively young age as well. She, uh, she was an Australian level basketballer. Um, she toured with the uh, Australian Opal squad uh, when she was, I'm going to say like 15 or 16 years old, really, really young. Uh, she then decided that uh, she kind of had enough of basketball and got into DJing. She won a competition called She Can DJ, and, uh, which was effectively uh, kind of crowning her as Australia's number one female DJ. Um, this would be almost 10 years ago now, toured the world DJing. 
um, decided that she uh, kind of had enough of that and uh, was looking for something to do and, and um, re- then started working for me uh, almost 10 years ago now. So, But before we move on, I've got to ask Jakarta. So two years, what's yeah. it like living in Jakarta and going to school, I'm assuming, as well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I have uh, kind of fragmented memories of it because I was so young. Like I was nine, I turned 10 in Jakarta and we were there for almost two years. Um, went to school, you know, it was just weird, man. It was so strange <laughs> coming from, I mean, coming from Australia and, and going into, you know, Indonesia is is effectively a third world country you know second third world country and jakarta is such a a tremendous city um you know but uh, it's kind of it's hard to articulate but it was almost like a different planet you know especially at that age you know we would we lived with um we lived in like a um a gated community uh with like we had like a cook we had um uh a house servant we had a gardener we had a driver um you know it was just the way that like you kind of lived over there because you're trying to employ as many people as you possibly can because everyone doesn't have a job over there mm. not everyone but the, the unemployment rate is super super high um and poverty is super super high so you know the more people you can kind of provide a living for the better um yeah just <laughs> just an incredible let me just say it was an incredible experience at such a young age to kind of open my mind up to, you know, the way we live here in Australia is not the way that most of the world lives. Yep. Um, you know, we are super privileged. We are, um, you know, uh, we should be super grateful to live in this country and have the opportunities that we have because most people on this planet just don't have them. And I think that that, you know, whenever I think back to that time, I'm just kind of filled with gratitude that I was able to experience that at such a young age and develop that perspective at such a young age as Mm. well. Mm. All right. So what did you want to be when you were growing up? Uh, Professional basketball player. And what happened? Uh, I got injured. (laughs) (laughs) To get straight to the point, I, um, yeah, I developed, uh, I developed a, two stress fractures in my lower back. Um, the first one I did when I was, I think like 14 or 15 years old, which is no big deal. Like a lot of, um, a lot of athletes in high impact sports have stress fractures. A lot of them don't even know they have them. Um, but I, I remember the first one that I did when I was quite young, no big deal. Um, the second one I did when I was 18 years old, uh, just as I was kind of coming through out of like the amateur starting to get into like the professional ranks of basketball, um, on the very same vertebrae in my lower back, which is effectively game over because there's nothing supporting that vertebrae now. Um, and I remember that one, that was one of the most painful experiences I've ever had in my life. Uh, and that was kind of, that was it. That was game over. It was like, you can't, you know, the, the risk of continuing to do high impact sport with two stress fractures on the same vertebrae in your lower back, it's like you could end up paralyzed. Um, and it's just not worth the risk. So that was, uh, that was effectively what ended my, my basketball dream, um, (laughs) at, 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 uh, at 18 years old. So how did you like going from knowing that obviously it sounds like you were dedicated to playing basketball, knowing that the dream was over, I guess that comes into a question later on, but what, what was your initial, like, what am I going to do reaction? Oh man, I remember being just completely devastated, you know, um, especially at that age, being that young as well. And kind of knowing that, 
like that was my path. That was what I wanted to do. You know, the year before I'd gone and toured the US, you know, I had college scouts coming out and watching me play games to recruit, to go over to the US the next year. Like that was, you know, that was, that was it for me. Um, That was my path. That was my plan. That was what I was going to do. And it was really kind of, you know, the first time in my life. And once again, I look back on it with gratitude for it happening at such a young age. It was the first time in my life where I had a plan that didn't go to plan and there was nothing I could do other than accept the reality of what was happening, anchor back in and reset and and figure out what I was going to do next. But, um, you know, I remember, I remember being devastated. I remember like, like crying, you know, uh, a lot, (laughs) a lot back then um, that that was kind of the end of the road for me. Yep. All right, we'll go into your schooling experience. So tell us about, I guess we can start with primary school if you remember back that far, but what, yeah. what how was your primary school experience? Um, disjointed because of the, the trip to um, yeah. the couple of years in Jakarta. Uh, because back then I think I was like year f- year three, year four. Yeah. Um, so I did, you know, the first few years, super early primary school here in Australia and then did year, year three and four over in um in jakarta and then came back and did five and six and then went to another school from seven into 12. um so i remember like the early years of 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 school the early years of primary school just kind of felt like it was like all over the place Mm. um when we came back to australia and i settled into the school where i did year six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve uh, that was much more stable for me because, you know, I was in the same school, same city, didn't move, um, you know, was able to develop friendships, was able to really sink my teeth into the academic side of school, the sporting side of school. Um, you know, for me, I was, you know, I was always um, like a, a popular kid at school. I never, you know, I was never kind of um, bullied or picked on or anything like that. You know, I, I tried to be friends with everybody. I, you know, never kind of treated anybody um, poorly that I can remember. I hope I didn't <laughs> when I was a kid. Um, but yeah, you know, I, 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 I quite enjoyed school. I, I, once we kind of got to that, that point, especially through high school, um, you know, it was a good experience for me. Do you think school in, oh, sorry, did you go to university? Obviously, yeah. Did you go to university? Yeah, I did. Yep. yep. Yeah. And what did you study there? Uh, I studied a double degree in mechanical engineering and law. Um, and so I was at university from 2000. I graduated in 2003 from high school. So I started university in 2004 and I was there until uh, the end of 2011. Um, so almost eight years. I spent longer at university than I did at high school. <laughs> to put it in perspective, um, way too long, way too long. But I did, uh, you know, I did study two pretty difficult degrees. So um, I guess that's why I was there for so long. Overall, do you think education is important nowadays? Like, say, ten years ago compared to now? Yeah, hundred uh, percent. I think um, you know, to to kind of drill down into the question a little bit more. Do I think formal education is as important as it was 10 years, 15 years, 20 years ago? Uh, I think for most professions, no. Uh, you know, you can kind of take your, your um, you know, really kind of hardcore professions, law, medicine, engineering, 
um, teaching, you know, these sorts of things where you have to, you, like there's no other way to get the formal education than to actually get the formal education. Those obviously require formal education if that's what you want to do. But if you want to go and do pretty much anything else, um, I just don't think that formal education, especially tertiary, uh, is as important as it was even, even as I was coming up, even 10 years ago, even 15 years ago. Um, you know, I just think real world experience is so much more valuable. Yep, I fully agree. So would you say from your degrees, what skills would you say have like transferred over from your two degrees into your business now? Yeah, look, I think um, directly I use, I still use a lot of the law that, that I learned um, while I was at university in day-to-day business. You know, I'm negotiating supplier contracts, leases. Um, I mean, even coming through COVID and doing all of the, the small to medium enterprise COVID relief agreements was so much legal, um, you know, knowledge that you needed to be able to, to navigate through those. So I do use the law, um, you know, quite frequently in what I do. The engineering, not so much, but I do use the the way i was taught to think at university i use pretty much every day and what i mean by that is from an engineering perspective i was i was taught to think very analytically so you know i'm very good with numbers i'm very good with forecasting i'm very good with interpreting data you know that's engineering and engineering really taught me how to do a lot of that and that sort of thought process i use pretty much every single day. Um, from a law perspective, the thought process was kind of the polar opposite of, of, of analytical. Um, you know, it's it's kind of the, the thought process around much more language-based, but, but really kind of critical thought and independent thought and questioning the status quo and not accepting things that you're that, that you're told up front and really kind of you know trying to unravel them and and, and get to the root cause um, which I also use pretty much every single day uh, so the the thought processes more than the actual applied knowledge are, are things that I use daily and then the applied knowledge from law I lose use quite frequently as well yep yep if there's one thing you wish you'd known before you began your career, I guess this can be either running uh, your two businesses or as a professional um, uh, physique competitor. What do you yeah. wish you'd known? When I started? Yep. Um, it's a good question because it kind of depends at which point of my career I'm looking back at. <laughs> so, and I think that the answer, the answer kind of changes, right? So if I look back on it now, you know, I've been, I've been running uh, some sort of business. If you go back to like when I, you know, the grassroots of Massive Joe's, it was uh, November, 2005. So, you know, we're coming up uh, 16, this will be year number 17, um, if you look at like when I actually committed to the business full time, it was 2012. So we're coming up on 10 years now, you know, at this stage of my career, I, I wish that I would have known how important people, uh, would be and how important emotional intelligence would be and how important managing people would be. Um, and that probably refre- reflects where I'm at at my stage in at this stage in my career. If you ask me the same question in 10 years time, I'll probably tell you something different. <laughs> Maybe um, if you asked me the question five years ago, I definitely would have had a different response as well because I hadn't got to that point in my career yet. So, you know, I think it, it's all part of developing as a, as a business person. Uh, you know, the, the, the deeper you get in, the more you know that you don't actually know. 
Um, and I think the more you wish you did know earlier on. Do you think if everything was taken away from you right now, you'd be able mm. to make it? How long do you reckon it would take you to make some sort of success again? Uh, With what you very, know? Very fast. Very fast. Um, because I've developed the, the know-how of how to build a business. Um, and I've done it. You know, I built, I built my businesses from the ground up, literally from, you know, everything that I've done has started at, at ground zero. Yeah. Um, you know, I've never kind of been handed something halfway through or, you know, at, at, at a certain level, it's always been, we're starting here and we're building up. So I know how to do that. I've got the skill set to do that. I've got the, uh, the experience and the know-how of how to do that. And I think that, you know, because I've done it so many times, each time you do it, you get better and better at doing it. So, you know, I think if you look at the last, uh, you know, the, uh, probably a good example is probably the most, one of the most recent business ventures is when I took over uh, running of the International Federation of Bodybuilding here in South Australia is we, we started that, Tony Doherty um, and, and myself started that literally from ground zero. Like there was, uh, there had been shows here in South Australia before and the Federation had been run, but it had been so poorly run that it was run completely into the ground. So it was literally starting from, from, uh, from ground zero. And that was in, that was uh, October, 2018. And so you take that to the last show that we ran, which was March last year. So two and a half years later, and we had a sold out show. Um, you know, we've never had more people at a, at a bodybuilding show in South Australia than we did at that show. So that turnaround time was two and a half years um, to go from ground zero to something that, that you know, was quite successful. Um, and I think even if I did that now, it would be a shorter time period once again. What do you think the best resources uh, that have been, sorry, I'll, I'll start again. What are the best resources that have helped you along the way? So whether it be, you could say people or experiences what's what have you found to be the best definitely people man definitely people um you know uh, when it comes to business you can you can only achieve so much by yourself uh and then at some point you you, you know we we all only have 24 hours in a day we all only have so much time so much energy so much effort we can dedicate before we need to kind of go okay i need a little break here um it's not an it's not infinite so when you reach a point where you're kind of maxed out personally, well, what do you do? How do you kind of grow? How do you get to the next level? You need people. You need good people um, on your team. So, you know, so much of my success, I immediately attribute to, to the people who have helped me achieve, you know, to, to, to my team, to the people around me. You know, it's interesting because I guess at this stage of my career, so much of what I do in my businesses is, is literally like being the captain of the ship. You know, I point the ship in the direction and I say, this is where we're going. This is why we're going in this direction. But I don't do a lot of the day-to-day -day tasks anymore. I have really good people who I delegate that responsibility to, who I trust to be able to execute. And they do all of the day-to-day -day work that, that makes the ship head in that direction that it needs to go so um you know definitely like human resources are, are the most valuable um that being said when you have the wrong people on your team they can also be the most invaluable uh you know the 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 most um toxic as well so it kind of goes in both directions when you first let go of the reins and handed roles to different people in your team did yeah. you find that hard to do yeah very much so 
it's still hard for me to do now. Um, I think, you know, delegation, especially when you've kind of built businesses from ground zero, um, you, you, there's always that kind of emotional connection to them because it's almost like raising a child, you know, it's like you, it's, you start from zero and you, you've invested all of this, um, all of this time and all of this effort and all of this energy into this business or this particular part of the business and to, to kind of hand those reins over to somebody else who you know deep down inside is not going to have the emotional connection that you have to that part of the business. They can't possibly, they weren't there from the beginning. They haven't had those experiences. They haven't had the firsthand um, uh, touch and feel of every part of the business as it's developed. Uh, you know, it's always difficult to do, but you, it's the only way you can grow. It's the only way you can scale. Yep, yep. What is one common myth about your profession? You can take this from either being a, a supplement business owner or a phys- yeah. physique competitor or anything um, yeah. that you want to debunk. So what's a load of shit? Um, look, I think from the physique competitor perspective, it's definitely like uh, the meathead bodybuilder mm. um, myth, you know, like a, a lot of people who've never spoken to me before who just, kind of you know maybe they see my my photos on instagram or videos or they see me in the gym or whatever um you know and they see this kind of big muscly dude throwing weights around and grunting and shit and all that um it's just like oh he's just a he's just a meathead bodybuilder you know there's not a lot not a lot between the ears um so that's definitely a myth um and something that i still come up against all the time you know especially really? when when yeah all the time man yeah yeah that's crazy yeah. Yeah, if it, but it's people who have you know, as soon as you speak to me in person, it, you very quickly you you know that that's that's not the situation. Or if you watch a piece of content that isn't training related, it's me talking, or you listen to a podcast or whatever, you can obviously break through that quite quickly. Mm-hmm. But if your first impression is you know big muscly dude lifting weights around, um, that that is always the 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 kind of myth that that attaches to that. Um, so definitely that that one would be a big one I'd debunk. Do you think that stereotypes just continued on from like say the Arnie days and like maybe it no one's really gone or set foot into a gym to see what what's actually happening in there nowadays? Yeah, possibly. Possibly. And I think Arnold was probably one of the first bodybuilders to break out of that mold as well. You know, what he went on to do in acting and in politics mm. and you know, with his sports festivals. Uh, you know, he was probably one of the early ones to go, you know what? it's not just about the body. There's actually a brain in here as well. And I'm going to use it um, to go and do some pretty cool shit. So yep. yeah. Nice. All right. We'll get to the bulk of these questions now, Joe. So in your opinion, what shit just doesn't work? Oh, in what realm? It's your episode. You can take this any way you want. Um. I think I'll, I'll just be timely at the moment because it's something that, I, that I'm seeing at the moment and it's the first thing that popped into my mind. I think that, you know, a lot of thing, a lot of the time, especially at the start of, of years, um, I see people who want to kind of, you know, they reflect on the year before and they kind of set up the year in front and they go, you know what, I'm not real happy with where my life is at or I'm not real happy with physically where I'm at. Maybe I put on a bit too much weight. Um, you know, maybe I'm not happy with my family life or my career or whatever it is. And they, they, they want to proactively make changes. So they go about setting goals. They say, you know what, I want to do this. I want to achieve this. I want to lose 
this many kilos. I want to get promoted to this position in my job. I want to start this business. I want to have a better relationship with my wife or my husband or my kids or whatever the situation may be. And they set these big ambitious goals, uh, but they don't make changes to their day-to-day habits and routines that align with those goals. So they still keep doing the same shit with their diet and you know what they're consuming and they expect somehow the weight's going to fall off or they still uh you know doing the same things that they're doing in the work environment that didn't lead to them getting noticed to get promoted but somehow they think that now that they've manifested a promotion it's just going to happen um you know i think that that sort of shit just doesn't work where you think that you can keep doing the same day-to-day things and expect a different result just because you've manifested a different result you know, it's one thing to kind of set goals for different areas of your life. And then it's another thing to break them down into what do I need to change day to day in my habits and my routines to make sure that those habits and routines align with the person I'm trying to become and disalign with the person who I am or have been in the past. Mm. I'm currently reading a book. It's called The Millionaire Fast Lane. Have you ever read it? No, I haven't. I have heard of it though. Fantastic. He, he starts talking about how... Um, ideas and execution are like a chess game and ideas are worth nothing it's literally all about execution and depending on um, what piece you're going to move depends on how much power you've got so little to no execution is just like a pawn it gets you somewhere but the, the most powerful thing is obviously the king and the queen like so they can they can rule the board if that makes sense so ideas are great but if you're not doing anything then it's just a waste of fucking time yeah. 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 I think, you know, execution is, it, execution is everything. <laughs> it's everything, but you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, even if you have the intent to execute, right. It's like having um, a sports car, right. Say you, you just bought a new Ferrari, right. And you want to take the Ferrari out on an open highway. There's no speed limit. You can do whatever you want. And you just want to, you know, you want to really give this Ferrari everything you've got. That's the execution part. And then continuing with the old habits and the routines is like having the pedal to the metal, trying to go as fast as you can with the execution, but then having the handbrake on because the habits and routines don't align with what you're trying to achieve through your execution. So I think that like execution is one thing definitely. And, and, you know, you can't just sit around and hope that shit's going to happen without actually working towards it. But then also reviewing what you do on a day-to-day basis is like having the handbrake on or having the handbrake off. Um, You know, your daily habits and routines need to align with what you're trying to execute, which needs to align with the goals that you're trying to achieve. That is an absolute bomb. Have you ever had a light bulb moment? And what I mean by that, was there a time in your life where things just clicked and began to make sense? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, they have. Um, you know, I actually recently for me, um, I've had I've had a number of them in my life, but the one most recently for me um, was, was probably last year, to be honest. Um, you know, we going back to um, 2018. So a little bit of my personal life um, in here that kind of gives a bit of context. So I um, got married for the first time to um, my first wife in 2017, um, got divorced, uh, well, separated in 2018. So the marriage lasted only a couple of months. Um, And 
start of a very rocky period for me, um, both personally and professionally. I made some really uh, bad professional judgments and professional decisions because I was trying to offset the chaos that was happening in my personal life by hyper-focusing on business and chasing vanity metrics and, you know, shit that just didn't really matter. Um, so that kind of set off a, you know, a really rocky period for me from 2018 um, through 2019. And then we had the pandemic in 2020, which was just a complete clusterfuck on all fronts. Um, and last year I, um, I met my, uh, my, now wife, um, in 2019, and we got married, uh, in November last year at the end of 2021. And for me, um, you know, the last few months has been one of those light bulb moments where I'm just like, you know what, I just feel like everything's starting to click in my personal life. Obviously, you know, I've married the person who I really always wanted to marry, um, you know, and then some in business, you know, we're kind of getting over the, all of the challenges that were caused in that late 2019 start of 2020 through the pandemic we've still got a lot more to go don't get it twisted but a lot of those big challenges we're kind of seeing the other side of um you know physically for me i'm in the best shape of my life as a as a pro athlete as well so i just feel like you know the last couple of months for me has been one of those periods one of those light bulb moments where i'm i'm just feeling very optimistic very confident everything's starting to click again um you know really for me for the first time in the better part of three years. What do you attribute that to? What's, what's, what's just made it like soothed you? It sounds like. I think having the courage to go through the really difficult stuff um, and see it through uh, has been a big part of that, a big part in all areas of my life, you know, in my personal life, in my professional life, um, in what I do with competing um, you know, being able to confront the uncomfortable, go through it, get to the other side and, and, you know, see the light at the end of the tunnel, I think has been, has been, uh, you know, a huge part of that. Are there any dreams that you've given up on? Uh, playing professional basketball. I was going to say, apart from basketball. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be one. That'd be one. But I guess technically I didn't give up on it. I got, I got to a point where, you know, I just, I, I couldn't physically do it anymore. Um, yeah. So, you know, that, that's definitely the first one that, that, that pops to mind. <laughs> Nothing else really, Matt, to be honest with you, man. Um, you know, I'm a little bit of a dream chaser, to be honest. Yeah. So <laughs> when I kind of have a dream, um, you know, I, I, I just, I, I just refuse to give up. I'll just keep going. Uh, unless something like an injury, um, you know, or something kind of the universe throws me a very definite sign that it's like, you know what, it's time to go do something else. Yeah. Yeah. What gets worse with, what gets worse with age? I don't think I'm old enough to answer that question. <laughs> really? <laughs> nah, man. Maybe I need to be in my sixties or something. That's cool. I guess it sort of goes into the next question though, but what's something you've changed your mind on as you've gotten older? Mm. I think, um, let me just, let me just jump back to the last question. Cause I, I, I did kind of skim over that. I think, you know, the reason why I say I'm not old enough yet is because generally speaking, I've found that life gets better as you get older. Um, for me personally, uh, you know, so many areas of my life just continue to get better and better. And 
there's challenges. Absolutely. It's not all sunshine and rainbows. There's some really difficult shit. You know, I just kind of gave the Kentucky tour of my personal life, um, which was a complete shit show for the for a couple of years there. Um, but, you know, generally speaking, overwhelmingly, I just, I just find that life gets better. You know, the more life experience you have, um, the better you the better your self-awareness becomes, the better you know who you are, the um, things that you say yes to and the things that you say no to align with who you are as a person. Um, You know, from my experience at my age, as I've gotten older, things have just gotten better, Um, you know, albeit the the different challenges and and things that you have to confront from time to time. But um, yeah, so that's why I say I don't think I'm old enough to say that things get worse. I'm sure they do at some point, but I'm just not not there just yet. I'm interested to see what you say for this because I've been following you for a while since the whole pandemic happened. So was there ever a time you're thankful that the pandemic we're experiencing right now happened? Yes. What is it? A hundred percent. A lot. There's a, there's a lot that I'm super thankful for. Um, I think, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is my wife um, is from Perth. She was born and raised in Perth. And the timing of how we met and her move to Adelaide, she actually moved to Adelaide in November, 2019. If we hadn't met when we had met and she hadn't moved when she had moved, I mean, Western Australia has been closed to the rest of the country for almost the entire pandemic. So, you know, I'm super, super grateful for the timing of how all of that played out. And then the fact that she moved to South Australia and we went into lockdown. So we got to spend more time together um, in that first six months than we had spent in the first six months of our relationship because we were flying backwards and forwards from Adelaide to Perth to Perth to Adelaide, um, you know, doing the long distance relationship sort of thing. So, um, you know, super grateful for that. I think um, from a, a business perspective, I've learned so many lessons in the last two years that probably would have taken me five to 10 years to learn if it wasn't for the pandemic. Um, It's just been this melting pot of difficult decisions and having to have courage and conviction to see see things through the way that you think they're going to play out. Um, there's been nowhere to hide. You know, one of my favorite sayings is when the tide goes out, you get to see who's been swimming naked. Well, the business tide has been out for two years now and you've been able to see who's been swimming naked. Um, so, you know, I think that it's just, it's just been this melting pot of business experience. And, um, you know, I've, I've just, it's been really difficult for me from a business perspective, the most difficult period in business I've ever experienced, but I've really, um, just lapped up the lessons that I've learned um, in this period of time. And, and for that, I'm super grateful as well. So yeah, I mean, the pandemic has been shit. There's the, you know, there's no two ways about it. And um, you know, I, I know that a lot of different people have had different experiences through it as well. And I'm empathetic to that, but I think at this point, especially as we head into 2022 and we're still dealing with border restrictions and different forms of lockdown, whether they call them lockdowns or not, you know, the only way to look at it moving forward is is with a sense of gratitude um, and with a sense of optimism and hope as well. I was not expecting that last bit. Like I was, in your opinion, what do you think, say, I'd say the past two weeks in South Australia, especially it's sort of, there's been a lot of um, hatred towards Stephen Marshall and uh, yeah. Nicola Spiria. What, what do you, what's your take on that? Um, look, I think, I think Nicola, 
I, I have a lot of um, sympathy for Nicola because I think that she was kind of thrust into the spotlight without any sort of training for, for what she's been doing over the last 18 months. I mean, you know, like chief health officers are not supposed to be doing media conferences, yeah. you know, um, and you can see that, like you see the bloopers and you see the communication style and it's just like, you just have no idea what you're doing, but it's not your fault. You know, you were never supposed to be doing this. So I think for her, I have, uh, you know, a lot of sympathy. Um, I think that she has made some really stupid decisions, but so has every chief health officer on the planet you yeah. know like we're dealing with a one in a hundred year pandemic so i think I, I have a lot of sympathy for her um stephen marshall i'm really disappointed in his lack of leadership um and his lack of courageous leadership as well um i think that you know so many of the politicians who were elected into the positions that they hold who knew that this was part of the job, you know, like when you when you go and you run for premier, you know that you're going to have to be dealing with some pretty heavy shit. You might not know it's a pandemic, but you are like you're the man or the woman. You are the last line of defense. You're who people look to for leadership. And I think so many of our politicians have just kind of handballed the decision making process over to unelected officials like chief health officers and, mm -hmm. and, and so on and so forth um, instead of making decisions themselves. And, you know, it's been really disappointing for me to see because I hold leadership, you know, up on a pedestal. You know, it's, it's what I do day to day. And I'm trying to be the best leader I can be in my little world. And I look at these leaders who we're supposed to look up to and they're just pathetic. Yeah. Uh, so it's been really disappointing for, for, for me to kind of see that. Yeah, I think it's a bloody shit show, but yeah. Yeah. What do you do? Really? Um well, what what you do is you start you start resisting the the um, the directions. You know, like I think for I think rightfully so, we've just been kind of taking the directions as gospel. You know, um, and I think back to the start of the pandemic when there was real concern over, you know, if you catch this virus, it's going to kill you. Yeah. Um, you know, so we need to do the lockdowns. We need to, you know, you remember we need to flatten the curve, oh, right? We need to, like, yeah, all the, all of these different political um, messaging that's come through. But I think at the start of that, you know, everybody was was rightfully so following the directions because we didn't know any better, right? Yeah, it's yeah. like, okay, how how lethal is this virus? How transmissible is this virus? Do we need to wear face masks? Do we need to social distance? Do we need to like, you know, let's just throw everything at it because we don't know. But as we've kind of moved along and as the political messaging has changed and as the political messaging has contradicted itself and as we've seen our, our elected and unelected leaders tell us to do things that just don't make a whole lot of sense, um, you know, I think so many of us are at a point now where it's like, well, okay, you can tell us to do what you think we need to do, but we're not going to listen anymore because there's no reason for us to listen anymore because you've contradicted yourself and the messaging's changed and you told us to do this and then this would happen, but you actually went back on that promise and that didn't happen. And now we're back, you know, we're, we're, we're two years on now and we're still doing the same shit. 
Like, you know, how much of this do you expect us to, to kind of take as gospel at this point without starting to, you know, vote out elected leaders who haven't done what they were elected to do, not listen to chief health officers who have no qualification for giving the advice that they're giving um, and were thrust into positions that are not qualified to, um, to, to, to be in. Uh, you know, I think that that's, that's kind of what we can do at this point. Do you think people protesting then is somewhat pointless? No, I don't think it's pointless at all. I don't think it's pointless at all. I think that, you know, it's, um, you know, it shows we've had some of the biggest protests in this country that we've ever had um, in, in the last six months. It shows that that people are, uh, are sick of uh, the bullshit. Yep. Yep. Okay. Do you think boys and girls are equal? Oh, Loaded question. <laughs> um, you know, I think that that your gender has pros and cons, definitely. Um, you know, uh, uh, men and women equal, I think, in an ideal world, yeah, absolutely. I think realistically in different scenarios, there's scenarios where men are put up on a pedestal and women are not, and there's scenarios where women are put up on a pedestal and men are not. You know, I think it just depends on the... the um, you know, the context and the situation. 100%. What advantages do you think you get for being a male? Um, I think from, from what I do um, professionally, you know, what, what I do in my space that kind of encompasses everything that I do, I think being a male, you know, people, I'm immediately able to command attention. Um, you know, better than if I was a female, especially in the industry that I'm in, right? Like it's, 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 it's health and fitness, um, you know, and, and in particular the, the bodybuilding spinoff of that, uh, you know, it'd just be much more difficult to command the sort of attention that I command as a male, if I was a female, um, because I see it with, with, you know, my, my female colleagues and I'm just like, you know, this person is brilliant. Um, why don't more people listen to what she's got to say? Or why don't more people, you know, give her the benefit of the doubt in the first instance? Or why does she not command the respect that she should command? Um, and I think that gender, unfortunately, plays a role in that. Um, but that is an advantage that I have of, of kind of being a male in, in the industry that I'm in. And disadvantages? Oh, I'm not sure that there are any, to be honest. From my from my perspective, okay, really, yeah, of being of being a guy, yeah, I don't think so. That's cool. Maybe I'm not as, maybe I'm not as good looking as I would be if I was a woman. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's what gets me today. But anyway, yeah, um, maybe. Um, maybe that's cool. What do you think most people are doing wrong in their day to day life? I think it ties back into that habits and routines yep. discussion that, that, that we just kind of came from. Yep. Um, you know, I think that's where most people kind of fall short is, is doing the same thing on a day-to-day -day basis and expecting a different result just because they manifest a different result. Um, you know, you, you have to change the daily habits and the daily routines. If you're, if you're trying to take that handbrake off that Ferrari when you're driving on the highway. Such a good analogy, man. So how would you, like, if someone's listening to this episode right now and they just feel stuck, what would be like your, easy guide to breaking a habit? Well, you can't break habits, first and foremost. Um, and it's not just my opinion. There's, there's a lot of literature around the fact that you can't just kind of halt 
habits, um, you know, especially habits that have been uh, ingrained in, in your day-to-day routine for so long, you have to replace them with, with different ones. So, you know, my advice in that regard is if you've identified habits that no longer align with who you're trying to become, you need to think about how you can replace those with new habits that do align who you're trying to become. So, you know, uh, just to pick an example, right? Let's say that you get home from work every day and the first thing you do is you go and go to the fridge and grab yourself a beer or pour yourself a glass of wine, sit on the couch, drink that beer, drink that wine. But at the same time, you've got a health and fitness goal that's maybe to lose 10 kilos or maybe get your blood pressure down or build a little bit of muscle, whatever it may be that's health and fitness related. Well, that daily habit doesn't align with that goal anymore. So let's figure out how we can replace that with something that does. Well, let's get home and instead of going to the fridge and grabbing a beer, let's go to the fridge and let's grab some sparkling water. Instead of pouring ourselves a glass of wine, let's go and pour ourselves a glass of diet soda or, you know, something else that's not alcoholic, that's not full of calories that aligns with that health and fitness goal. So it's more about replacing habits and routines that don't align with who you're trying to become with new ones that do. Yep. Fantastic. What do you love most about yourself, Joe? Um, I think one, one of my strengths that really has become much more um, visible to me over probably the last 12 months. And and this is front of mind because one of the things that I do at the turn of every year is I go through my personal goals. And part of my personal goals is a reflection on the year before, the highs, the lows, and the lessons that I learned. And um, the one that kind of popped up for me over the last 12 months that I hadn't really taken a lot of notice of is my courage and my conviction. And I think that the way that I've kind of handled the pandemic from a business and a personal perspective really kind of highlighted this for me is that, you know, the the level of courage that I'm willing to exert and the amount of conviction that I'm willing to have with what I believe to be true um, is something that I've noticed a lot of people don't have. And so for me, that's something that that I've... Um, you know, developed a lot of pride around something I'm very proud of and something that has become quite obvious to me, especially over the last 12 months, um, as I've kind of navigated the pandemic and, and made decisions that at the time were um, against the grain that now have kind of proven to be correct in hindsight. Where do you, where do you reckon that's come from? Like, has that developed over time or is it just literally a trust your gut sort of thing? I think it's developed over time, but I think it is a trust your gut sort of thing. I think it's it's part of life experience. It's part of going, you know what, there's something there's something in, you know, the, the gut instinct thing is a great analogy, right? Because something in my gut that just doesn't feel right about this, I need to go and I need to dig a little bit and I need to form my own opinions and I need to do my own critical and objective thinking and come to my own conclusions and then have the conviction to stand by those conclusions no matter what kind of pressure there is to do otherwise yep yep what do you think people overlook in what realm in particular uh it could just be in a day-to-day realm so what's say for example what do you think people just aren't doing enough of i think people generally and this is probably going to be a function of what i do for a living (laughs) but i think people generally overlook their health um, you know, I think people generally uh, think they're going to live forever 
and think that they're not going to have to deal with the repercussions of their decisions when it comes to, um, you know, their choice to consume certain foods or certain beverages or their choice not to exercise. Um, but, it, you know, it catches up with everybody at some point. So, you know, something that I see, you know, a lot is, is um, you know, people who, who have kind of put their health to the, put it on the back burner or, you know, pushed it to the side and kind of overlooked it. Um, you know, thinking that, you know, I'll just deal with it later. I'll just deal with it later. I'll just deal with it later. I've got, you know, work's really busy or I've got, you know, my family life is really busy or I'm getting older, you know, which is a great, great excuse. I'm getting older. I don't need to worry about it as much anymore. No, that's when you need to worry about it even more. Um, so I think generally people overlook their, their, their health. So personally, what do you value more, your health or your time? I think both tie hand in hand. To be honest, you know, I think, um, you know, we, we, we all are on borrowed time at the moment. Um, at some point, it's going to run out for, every, for all of us. I think the more you invest in your health, the more time you're going to end up having. So I think that, you know, the, the two are kind of tied in together. Um, you know, uh, they're, not, they're not mutually exclusive. They're not opposed to each other. I think health and time are, are you know, for, for most of us, one and the same thing. Who do you look up to? Oh man, um, I've got different people in different areas of my life who who I often kind of seek inspiration from. I think in my personal life, uh, it would be my parents for sure. Um, you know, I really look up to them. You know what what they have been able to um, cultivate in their relationship together, in their marriage, in their family life, what they built together. Um, you know, my, my parents' story is, is an incredible story in its own right, but, you know, from starting at a very grassroots level, what they've been able to build, um, you know, in their personal lives and their family lives and their marriage is something that, that I find incredibly inspiring. Um, I think in the business world, it's kind of changed over the years, to be honest. And I think that that's, that's a function of my business journey and, and, and the challenges and the struggles that I'm experiencing at different different points along that journey. Um, but, I, you know, generally speaking, I always look up to people who have uh, achieved what I'm trying to achieve in business. So they're, they're always ahead of me. They're always in front of me um, in terms of the size of the business, the number of employees, the amount of revenue they generate, you know, whatever the, the uh, quantitative measure is. Um, but that changes from time to time, depending on what I, where I'm at along my journey. Um, I think in the the physical space um you know i look up to the to the top men's physique competitors of course from a physical perspective because they've got the physiques that i'm trying to develop um but i think you know the the thing for me that's that's more important than the physical journey with regards to competing um and my career and that is is more the the mental journey um you know and 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 how you can uh, max out psychologically because that plays into the physical part as well. Um, and from that respect, there's kind of no one that I look up to there, really. The, I, I take inspiration from other walks of life, people who have, um, who have achieved things in, uh, in not a physical capacity, but have shown incredible mental fortitude to get there. So there's a few, there's a few. <laughs> what excites you? Oh man, so much, <laughs> so much. I am, um, you know, I'm, I'm very motivated by, 
by growth and progress. Um, you know, I'm very motivated by achieving things. I'm very motivated by having big ambitions and setting big goals that align with those ambitions and then working towards them. I'm not motivated by actually achieving. I'm motivated by the journey of trying to achieve. Yep. Um, you know, that's that's a big thing for me. It's kind of like the, the process over product mindset. You know, you're not focused on the end product. You're focused on the process of how you produce the end product. For me, the journey is kind of where I get so much fulfillment and where I get so much excitement. You know, at the moment, um, you know, I've spent the majority of this week working on my personal goals for this year and finalizing those and then our company goals um, for Massive Joe's and TMJ Apparel and the MJ Challenge and the bodybuilding shows and all the different things that we do. And I just get excited by, you know what, I've set these goals. Let's see how close we can get to them. You know, let's, let's, these are the processes. This is the, this is the journey we're going to go on. That's what excites me. You know what, let's see how far down this path we can go. Um, you know, so I, yeah, I'm, I, I get it. I get excited by chasing goals, I guess, or chasing dreams. Wow, man. You just like that. How, how did like, is there a point? Has there ever been a point you've just like been so burnt out? You've just said, fuck it. Yeah. All the time. Really? Yeah. Yeah, stop. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Not burnt out, burnt out. I wouldn't say burnt out because, you know, I when I think about burnout, I think about someone who is just like, you know what, all they want to do is like sleep all day, you know, and they're just, they're just completely exhausted and they, you know, it's the end of the road for them. Mm-hmm. I've never been there, but, man, I would probably say, but I think about last year, there probably once a month I would just be in like a space where I, I was just so psychologically or physically or both exhausted where I'm just like, you know what, man, fuck this. I just want to sit on the couch and watch Netflix all day. Um, that, that sort of, you know, uh, not burnout, but like I just need a break. I need a breather here. Um, probably once a month, I reckon. And do you like, do you accept that and like know that I need this rest? I, I do to a certain extent. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't actually sit on the couch and watch Netflix all day, um, but I do kind of take my foot off the accelerator a, a, a little bit. So, you know, I, I know, um, you know, my, my wife and I, Amy, uh, we have what we call, we call it our family gap plan. And what it is, is it's when we're in a situation where physically or psychologically, we don't feel like we're hundred percent. We've got these certain things that we do together that we know just help recharge our energy, help us get perspective, help us, um, you know, kind of just reset a little bit. So, you know, one of the things is actually watching Netflix <laughs> that's it's in the gap plan, but, you know, going for a long walk along the beach for both of us is very recharging. Um, you know, spending time doing our hobbies apart from work is very recharging. Um, if we're not physically exhausted, going to the gym and getting a good workout in is very recharging for both of us. Cooking, you know, is very recharging. So those sorts of little bits and pieces where it's like, you know what, I just need to, I just need to park what I'm what I'm trying to work on in in my personal and professional life, and I just need a little bit of time to come over here and just reset, um, you know, recharge a little bit. And for me, you know, it, maximum it's like two days, and I'm ready to go again. Yeah. Usually, it's just one day. It's one day. I insert the gap plan, go and do some of that shit, recharge, and I'm good to go the next day. Has there been anything that's kept you up at night? 
all the time, man. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All the time. There's probably one, once a week, on, yeah, probably more than once a week, a couple of times a week where I just lay, lay awake in bed, struggle to get to sleep because I'm thinking about this or that or, you know, um, yeah. I, I mean, for me, most of the time it's business, um, especially especially over the, over the pandemic because there's been so much that has been out of control from a business perspective and you just don't know where the next right hook's going to come from. Um, so sometimes I'll, you know, I'll... Uh, kind of get too involved in my thoughts and they kind of keep me awake at night because I'm thinking, well, what if this happens? And then what if that happens? And then how am I going to do with this? And then how am I going to do with that? And, you know, that, that sort of thought process. Do you sleep well other than that? Yeah, I do. I do. Are you like at the end of the day, are you just exhausted or? Yeah. Yeah. My, so my routine, um, I wake up in the morning at 4am I have, I do, I have like a morning routine. So I do some journaling and some reading and, and, you know, part of my morning routine, have a pre-workout meal, go to the gym. I train from quarter past five, five thirty till about seven. I come home, go for a walk with my wife and, and our little puppy, um, have, uh, my, my breakfast, I guess, start work, come to the office, work from the office. Usually I'm in the office between 8.30 and 9.30, depending on the day. I'm at the office until seven o'clock most days, go home, spend some time with Amy and our little puppy, have some dinner. And then we're in bed by usually like 8, 8.30. Um, so that's that's kind of my daily routine. So by the time I get to like eight, you know, I'm like falling asleep. So. <laughs> yeah, nah, fair enough. That's full on. Yeah, yeah. What is an unpopular opinion you have? Oh, unpopular opinion. Mm. If you asked me this six months ago, there would have been heaps. <laughs> <laughs> I think now the tide's kind of turned a little bit. Um, oh, man. There's not one that pops to mind at the moment, to be honest. Um, I, you know, I often have opinions that are against against the grain and against popular opinion when, when things first kind of erupt. Um, but then most of the time they turn and they end up being <laughs> like the accepted opinion. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, I think a great example of that is, uh, you know, that's why I said, if you asked me six months ago, you had, I shared my opinions on the pandemic and how the pandemic was being handled. Uh, it was very unpopular, but now everyone kind of agrees that it's a shit show. Mm. Um, it always has been a shit show. It has been since the very beginning, a shit show. Um, so that definitely would have been an unpopular opinion, but now it's probably not. I mean, there's still people who would disagree, um, but, but, and that's fine. But, um, but I think now that's probably a popular opinion, but I think, you know, generally speaking, Matt, I tend to um, kind of form my own opinions by critically thinking through situations uh, a little differently than most people would. And I think that's probably why my opinions often are a little bit against the grain, um, especially in the first instance. Um, and I mean, there's been multiple examples, but but the pandemic is probably the the most recent one, the most relevant one. So when, I guess, you know, going back two years when the pandemic first started, when did you go to yourself, nah, this is, this is shit? I think for me, it was probably, 
after the first lockdown, mm -hmm. uh, the national lockdown that we had. So 2020, I think the lockdown started like March, April, and it was, you know, six months to flatten the curve. Um, and I think during that period, I was, uh, that was like data collection for me. I was like, what's going on? You know, we had, um, there was just a lot of information coming in. So I was doing a lot of reading, listening to a lot of podcasts, watching a lot of videos, trying to go, okay, what, like what's, what's actually going on here. And I think when we came out of that lockdown and Victoria then went back into that massive lockdown yeah. where yeah. they had the, uh, I think uh, the initial thing was like, there was this block of apartments and that block, remember when they had like the different, postcodes that went into lockdown yeah it was like yeah, we're locking down this postcode and then we're locking down this postcode and i was like this makes no fucking sense mm. um and then they went into that massive lockdown that lasted i don't even know how long um that's when i was like okay the this no nah, this is you know this there's too many things about this that just smell like uh they don't make a whole lot of sense so i think it was probably i would say the fourth quarter of 2020 Okay. Um, when I really started to question what we were being told and and what the kind of motivations were and um, the leadership or lack thereof. What's the worst piece of advice you've been given, Joe? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> man, there's uh, there's a few. There's a few. I think the one that jumps to mind. Um, was around and it's interesting looking back on this right because now I, you know, i've had enough um business experience in particular to not take advice from people who haven't shown me that they've done what they've done what they're saying they've done mm -hmm. um you know they they it's like you wouldn't go to a dentist with bad teeth sort of thing, right? So I'm not going to take advice from you unless you've actually shown me that you've taken your own advice, you've implemented it and it's worked. But I didn't always have that mindset. You know, I used to have the mindset of, oh, well, this person has this many years experience, so they must know what they're talking about. Or this person has this title, so they must know what they're talking about. And I think probably one of the worst pieces of advice that I was given was with regards to human resources and with regards to my position within my company, um, and how I needed to start distancing myself from my higher level management team. Um, and I think that that was really bad advice because it was, it was given by a person who was older than me. And I think it was advice that was just probably outdated. I think, you know, 20 years ago, it was probably good advice from um, a time management pr perspective from a, um, uh, delegation perspective uh just from an overall business perspective it was probably relevant but now in the 2020s uh it, it just didn't apply anymore so i was kind of put in a position where i really kind of removed myself from the day-to-day -day operations and the day-to-day -day management of my staff to kind of free me up to work on business development or work on growing the business or whatever the fuck 
uh, when, you know, what the advice should have been was you need to invest more in your people. Mm. You need to be investing more time in your people. You need to be training your people better. Uh, you need to be sharing your vision and your business development initiatives with your people so that they can buy into them. Uh, you know, it was the complete polar opposite. What I needed to be doing was the complete polar opposite of the advice that I've been given. Um, so that, that, that was probably in recent memory, one of the worst pieces of advice I was given. <laughs> Is there anything you genuinely not understand? Um, not if I take an interest in it. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I don't understand because I'm just not interested in understanding. Um, but, you know, I, if there's something that kind of piques my interest that I don't know about, I have enough humility and curiosity to go and take a deep dive and, and figure out what's going on. Um, so, I mean, yeah, to answer the question, there's heaps, there's heaps of stuff that I don't understand. <laughs> um, but it's probably because I'm not interested in understanding it at this point in time. Could you give me an example of something that just, you have no interest in? Um, oh man, there's plenty, um, playing video games. Yeah. No interest. Yeah. That's don't understand it. Not really interested in it. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, okay, so you know how at the moment, like I guess the up and coming thing is like um, video games can go and compete and earn some serious cash. Yes. Do you, do you think that's not a waste of time or do you think that's a waste of time? It depends on the person. It would be a waste of time for me because I'm not interested in it. But if video gaming is like, you know, the be all to end all for you or just a hobby or you're just interested in it, then yeah, go for it. Um, it's not a waste of time at all uh you know it depends on the person really yeah that's cool all right we're coming to the end now man we're gonna get a couple to go so we'll just get through them so what's the best compliment that you've ever received i'm really fortunate to receive a lot of dms um in my instagram primarily is where they come through um on pretty much a daily basis um, of people who message me who say, man, I listened to an episode of your podcast or I read this motivational post that you wrote or I watched the keynote speech that you gave and uh, that was the catalyst for me changing my life. I've lost 50 kilos. I literally had a message yesterday. Some guy said he's lost 50 kilos over the last 10 months and he traced it back to, he listened to an episode of my podcast and that hit, hit him at the right place at the right time. And that was the catalyst for him to make changes in his life that have led to this life-changing weight loss. Um, you know, I've had people that message me that said, you know, I watched your keynote speech and I was in a uh, a career that I really wasn't passionate about anymore, but I didn't have the courage to lean into my curiosity about what I am passionate about. I quit my job six months ago. Now I sell candles on the internet and I'm the happiest I've ever been and I'm making all this money. And if I hadn't listened to that speech, I would never have had the courage to go and pursue that, that dream of mine. Um, so I get those sort of messages all the time. And you know, those messages are, are the best compliments I could ever receive uh, because they show to me that in my own little way, I'm helping people improve their lives um, from fitness to business, to family life, to relationships, to, to, you know, all different walks of life. So I think that, you know, there's not one, but, but those definitely on a consistent basis are, are the best compliments that I receive. Did you ever think, going being a little kid in jakarta going to adelaide and all that sort of stuff you'd be able to 
um, I guess, changed so many people's lives. Like it's, it sounds surreal. The, the not I wouldn't say call it power, but influence, or you can just touch so many people and change their lives. Like, how does that? Did you ever think that would happen ever? No. <laughs> short answer. Short answer is no, man. Um, you know, it's I. I always I always had big ambitions for. Um, I was always interested in business. Like even when I was a little kid, even while I was like, you know what, I'm going to go play basketball in the NBA, you know, whatever. I was always, I always had like this interest in entrepreneurship and, you know, buying things and selling things and building businesses and hiring people and, you know, doing all that sort of stuff. So I, I, I probably had always thought that I was going to do something in business. Um, I just didn't know what it would be. Um, but so far as, you know, I guess kind of having the, the influence and the platforms to use that influence that I do now to help people improve their lives, no way, no, impossible. I mean, especially back then, like social media didn't exist. Yeah, and yeah, so, much of the, so much of what we do like this, right? For the, you, couldn't, you couldn't sit down and record a podcast and then upload the podcast and then reach any person anywhere on the planet with mm. your piece of content. It just, the, the infrastructure didn't exist. So it was impossible to think that, you know, we would have these platforms and this opportunity to, to be able to use influence this way. Um, so yeah, to, to answer the question, no, I, I never thought. <laughs> All right, man. If you could experience one thing in the world, what would it be that you haven't done? Oh, man, there's so many things in the world that I haven't done yet. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm going to need another couple hundred years. <laughs> yeah, shit. I, you know, I would, it, it's funny actually, because um, I would really love to travel to outer space. And I know you said in the world that you haven't done, this is kind of like outside of the world, yep, yep. but I would, I would really love to travel to outer space and be able to see the entire world from a distance. So and the reason why, yeah. But the reason why, well, it scares the shit out of me too, which is why I'm interested in doing it. <laughs> but I just think, I think that the perspective that that would give you would just be incomprehensible, you know, to think that you are looking at the planet that every single person alive right now lives on, that every single person in the history of humanity lived on, that was where the dinosaurs once lived you know, at that distance, I think would just, uh, you know, I think it'd be mind blowing. So that's definitely something I'd like to do. All right, man, we are coming to the end. Is there anything you wanted me to ask you, but I didn't? No, I think you've asked a lot of questions. How's your podcast going? Funnily enough, this is the last episode. So last one. Yeah, I've decided that it's time to put my energy into something else. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm glad that you're the final guest. But if I've learned anything, it's same as, I mean, going back, I also owned, had a cookie business. And it's, yeah. if you put your time into something and you really fucking work on it, you can make yeah. things happen. And that's, there was times when I was making this podcast, because I'm also a school teacher. So term four is like yeah. school camps, reports, school concert. And it's just yeah. full on. So, I mean, you my social media presence during term four was just absent. 
Yeah. But then I was like, I'm only seven episodes away from being mm-hmm. able to talk to someone I've wanted to talk to for a very long time. So I just fucking said, I can do it. Why can't I do it? And so here I am. And I think this is the perfect closure of the podcast. Awesome. Awesome. I'm happy to, well, I'm, I'm sad to hear that you're moving on to other things, but I'm happy to hear that, uh, that I was a driving force in you getting to that 50 episode mark. That's really cool. All right, man, we'll, we'll go to the last two questions and then we are done. So if you're driving along, we'll say South Road and there's a billboard yep. and there's a picture yep. of you, what does the quote say on the billboard? Make the most of your 24. I love it. And if there's one thing, say there's some person listening to this episode right now and there's just one thing you want the audience to absorb from our episode and our chat, what do you want mm-hmm. that message to be? I think that one of the things that, um, that I'm working through with, uh, with some of my higher level staff at the moment, my management staff, is I, I think that so often we underestimate what we're capable of uh, in all areas of life collectively. You know, I think that we underestimate how good a father we could be, how good a husband we could be, how good a wife we could be, how physically fit and healthy we could be, how good a business person we could be, how good an executive in our careers we could be. I think that, you know, a lot of the times we place these limitations on what we think we are capable of and they can come from, you know, they can come from society, they can come from the way we were raised, they can come from the people we surround ourselves with, you know, all these external inputs. And I think that so many of us are, are powerful far beyond what we conceive we are, we are, we are capable of. Um, you know, I think that we're powerful beyond measure. And if there's one thing that, that you know, I want your listeners and your viewers to take away, it's to really, you know, question why you set these limits on yourself you know why do you think that you know that's the best you can look physically why do you think that that's as good a husband as you can be why do you think that's as good a mother as you can be why do you think that that's the size your business is going to get to and then that's it or why do you think you can only make it this far up the corporate ladder and that that's where you're going to max out um you know limits are, are just illusions uh, they don't exist anywhere in your own then otherwise than in your own mind and um you know, I'd really like your listeners and your viewers to kind of question those limits and go, you know what, what if I, what if I just take that limit and just put it up here a little bit, or, you know, what if I just take this limit and, you know, send it to the next level? What does that kind of look like? And then once I'm there, let's go again. What does that look like? Um, you know, you're powerful beyond measure and there's absolutely no limits. And just like that, it's all over. Thank you so much for coming on, Joe. i I know that you're a very busy man and I just can't thank you enough for coming on today's episode. Thanks for having me, Matt. It's been an awesome chat, man. I really appreciate it.